Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today is a very personal story about a miraculous healing. For those of you who watched the interview on medical intuition with Dr. Norman Shealy that was released a few weeks earlier, you'll know that I referred to this story. My guest is Nancy Dutertra, who's been a guest on New Thinking Aloud seven times previously. She's an attorney. She's also a practicing remote viewer and a professional psychic. We've talked about psychic work in criminology, for example, among many other topics. She is is the author of Psychic Intuition, Everything You Wanted to Ask But Were Afraid to Know. She is also the author of How to Talk to an Alien, which is a book about a fascinating discipline she has pioneered called exolinguistics. And in fact, today's discussion about a, a really a miraculous healing event that occurred to her touches ever so gently on that exact topic of exolinguistics. This is an internet interview because we are now in the coronavirus lockdown period. And so now I'll switch over to the internet video. Welcome, Nancy. It's a pleasure to see you once again. Thank you, Jeff. It's really a pleasure to see you again, too. So you've been through an incredible adventure. And uh, I think a good place to start is that you went to Russia. Yeah, that was um, <laughs> definitely an interesting adventure. I went there uh, last August for two and a half weeks, and I went there to go study psychokinesis at an institute there. And uh, it, I, I went there with a, a colleague uh, and a friend of mine um, who's a, uh, an aerospace engineer, uh, I was supposed to go with the physicist friend of mine who had to unfortunately back out at the last minute. And uh, we had, uh, it was a wild ride, a really wild ride. Now, I have heard about uh, some of the psychokinetic training programs in Russia. The one I heard about is where they have you concentrate on a, um, uh, like a little, um, like a little windmill or something suspended on a pin and closed in a glass case to see if you can make it spin. Is is that what you were doing? Yeah, I, I had already been doing that for several years. Uh, so I knew how to do that already. What I was interested in was seeing their particular um, techniques for doing that. It, that's, uh, you can do it on a, um, uh, I mean, I have some here. I, I, I'm not going to move the camera at this point. You you can put a uh, a sort of a pinwheel uh, on top of a usually a needle or something, and if it's light enough, it's going to spin. But you you encase it inside some type of a uh, usually a glass container, and you want to make sure you're not touching it because the temperature variations can cause movement um, and also vibrations and things like that. Another way you can do it is you can put it inside a glass container and you can suspend it by a silk thread and you create sort of a spiral. 
uh, and again, you know, you don't touch and you simply focus your intention on it and you get the thing to move. Do a bunch of other things. You can do things on water. You can do things with magnets. You can do things with compasses and uh, you can do lots of other things. And I've already done lots of other things. So I really was looking for the advanced course. I think I was I was given the beginner course. So you came back somewhat unsatisfied. You were expecting more than you got. No, here was the problem. I went there thinking that I was going to go to something equivalent to all the types of training I've ever done, which has been, if you're dealing in, in more um, uh, quasi-spiritual realms, you're dealing usually with uh, a, a spiritual type of an environment. And uh, it, it's gentle, it's expansive, it helps you grow, it's meditative, it's beautiful. And we got put into uh, really what was the equivalent of, uh, it felt like a military boot camp. Um, and it was uh, full of huge amount of mind control uh, and um, isolation, containment, uh, we were surveilled at all times, 24-7. Our stuff was searched. We weren't allowed to keep it with us. Uh, we were uh, told that if and when we would be allowed to eat and what we would be allowed to eat, we were told uh, that we had to be accompanied in order to go to the bathroom. We had to ask permission. And that was at all times. So we were very tightly, tightly monitored. Um, and it was at a certain point, we went out into the countryside into a, uh, a gated, isolated community. So it was a very, it was just a spooky experience all the way around. I, it wasn't what you expected. Not at all. And on top of that, and that's sort of what started uh, some of the issues that I've had this year, starting on day one, uh, well, what they would have us do was usually about six to seven hours a day of physical exercise. That was also sort of a shock to me. It, some of it was sort of quasi, sort of like yoga. Some of it was much more physical. Um, but starting from the first day, because I kept a detailed journal, I began to experience back pain. And I've never had back pain in my life. Certainly never ever lower back pain. In fact, when I get massages, I tell the massage therapist, don't worry about my back. I, I don't care about my back. And they're always surprised because they say that's the first thing everybody wants. I never cared. And uh, the pain was progressive. And by about the third or fourth day, I was in excruciating pain. I admitted to the director of the program that I had taken uh, ibuprofen. I really had put off doing that because I didn't want to um, influence my, my psychological or, or, or my psychokinetic abilities but I, I couldn't tolerate the pain anymore. It was horrible. So it got worse and worse. And at one point, the director of this program once, I mean, I, I could barely sit 
that's how horrible it was. I, I, I couldn't stand. I mean, I forced my way through all the exercises. I did not complain because I was with Russians and everybody knows how, you know, you know, you just got to buck up when you're with Russians. That's just the way it is because that's the way they are. And so it took me a, a long time to just say, look, I, I just, I, I think I need to, to slow this down a little bit or I need to rest. And at that point, finally, about seven or eight days later, the director said, uh, okay, you, you stand up. So I stood up. She was a medical doctor um, who apparently had represented cosmonauts. And she looked at me. She was also a medical intuitive. She claimed to be quite magical. And their leader, who was sort of her boss, is, according to them, sort of the, the leader of everybody in, on planet Earth in terms of magic. And uh, from what I understood, he's a former uh, nuclear submarine commander also. Um, so she said, stand up. I stood up. She scanned me sort of with a medical intuitive look. And she said, okay, you sit down. So I sat down. She said, okay, now, and of course it's painful for me to sit because I have to sit bolt upright on the edge of my seat. She said, okay, now you bring, uh, you bring white light through bottom of spine. You bring it through top. You send it out through top of head. So I do that exercise. I, I take my white light shoot it out through the top of my head. And she said, okay, now you take uh, black energy from above head and you bring it down through top of head and you bring it down all the way through your spine, every vertebrae to the bottom. And I did that. As soon as I did that, I said, I think I've done something really wrong here. I have never, ever in my life heard of any healer, medical intuitive, psychic medium, uh, alternative healthcare practitioner, anybody recommend pulling in dark energy uh, ever. And uh, okay, I figured I'm in Russia. I'm going to do what the Russians suggest. I'm going to do it their way because I'm here to learn their method. And if this helps, and she's a doctor and a medical intuitive, so be it. I'm I'm just going to try it. I think that was a huge mistake. What I did. As, as I began to learn more and more and more uh, uh, what they were up to, the more I realized uh, I was on my own. So I came back, I came back to the United States and uh, in I had had terrible pain while in Russia, got back and uh, had such excruciating, horrific back pain I, uh, my, I couldn't walk. I could barely drive. Long story short, I had a uh, broken bone in my lower back, and the disc was completely herniated and gone, and I had really bad uh, nerve pain. So that gets you up to about September. <laughs> <laughs> My, I mean, at that point, one would think you need surgery. Uh, yeah. So I, I was immediately referred from my primary to an orthopedic surgeon. And then, of course, because I don't believe in getting surgery immediately, I got two more, um, uh, what do you call them, S second opinions. 
and for uh, neurosurgeons and orthopedic surgeons, the top in uh, New York. And they all immediately looked at my scans and my x-rays and they said, oh my God, I see why you're in such terrible pain. It's obvious. And you, you do need surgery. That is the, the only thing that will solve this. This will only get worse. And the neurosurgeon said, you'd better do it fast rather than later. And, and now you're talking about a broken bone. Did you experience any trauma? No. No. <laughs> no. And this particular type of a broken bone, apparently, uh, it, and it's what connects the vertebrae. It's a little tiny bone in the back of the spine. And uh, it does get broken, apparently. Um, but normally it's from, it, it's, it's broken by teenagers uh, who are engaged in extreme sports like football, gymnastics, or, you know, wh hockey or whatever it is they're doing. Uh, not an old person like me sitting around doing meditational stuff. Very strange that uh, that, that occurred at all. But uh, I guess, the, but the really miraculous part of your story is yet to come. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, February 9th, oh, well, I will, let me explain a little bit further because you might find this interesting too. So I pursue all types of uh, conventional and unconventional healing modalities. Among the conventional, I did a half a year's worth of physical therapy. It helped a little bit, but then I got worse over around December. I also... I had people praying for me from remote viewers to, you know, religious folks to, I mean, you name it. I had so many, I had the Mormons praying for me, everybody. It was fabulous. Uh, and I'm sure that must have helped. However, it didn't solve my problem. I also went to see a Pakistani faith healer who put boiling hot oil on my back. And I never understood how she do, did that until I watched her one day. And I saw she worked on another client. She, she would always boil the oil in a frying pan. And then I'd hear something. She'd dip something in it and it would pop, all those boiling popping sounds. And then she'd smear it on my back, which always frightened me. <laughs> so what I saw was she was dipping the heel of her foot into the frying pan. And then on one leg was almost using it like a paintbrush on my body, on my back. And she was never burned once, and I was never burned once. In fact, I didn't even have red marks on me. So that was sort of, uh, it, that was a, a very different Islamic faith healing thing that I did. It, I did get some relief, but then over a few months it got worse. I then have a dream. And I have dreams, I think I probably have mentioned this to you, I'm a lucid dreamer. And then there are things beyond lucid dreams that have real consequences that are verifiable in real life. Uh, and this was one of those very rare dreams. And, and when did this a dream occur? This was uh, February 19th, 2020. 2020. Right. Yeah, th this year, 2020. Correct. Uh, I dreamt I went, uh, I was downstairs in my kitchen and I was with some unspecified friend and I look out, I'm washing dishes and I look out the window and I see uh, there's a, a red helicopter landing on my front yard. 
And I say to my friend, don't they know they can't land a helicopter in my front yard? And they did, the helicopter lands and a man gets out. He's fairly tall. He's got, he's not terribly good looking. He's got sort of ordinary brown hair. And uh, he comes to my front door. So I open my front door and I say, yes, can I help you? And he, he says, uh, here, this is for you. And he hands me a package and it's about, let's see, yeah, roughly like that. It's about, say, five inches by about four inches by about one inch thick or so. Extremely heavy like a slab of metal. And in my, my dream mind, I describe it as being heavy like lead. That's how heavy it was. It was odd. And I said, uh, well, what's this? And he says, you're going to need this. And I couldn't imagine what, I, I don't need anything. I'm really, I'm very blessed. I don't need stuff. I don't need anything. I'm a very happy human being. And um, the only thing I could think of was that, uh, you know, there was someone in retrospect as well. I, I would like to be able to move because at the time my back was so bad it would hurt for me to um, fill up a cup of coffee and to carry it because the weight, you, oh, I forgot to mention my, my spine, because of the missing uh, disc and the bone, it's not connected. So it's it's 50% disconnected. There's a slippage and an incredible instability so that anything that pulls me forward will naturally make my entire spine slip. So, um, you know, I couldn't bend over. I, I could barely put on my socks. I, I had trouble washing a dish in the, in the sink or lifting something out of the laundry or, or the dishwasher, whatever. And um, the only thing I could think of was, yeah, I'd like to live my life the way I used to. I'd like to be able to walk again. Because I couldn't, I had to stop walking. Um, I couldn't exercise, couldn't do anything. And so I, as soon as he said, you're going to need this, and I couldn't imagine that. And I looked at him and I said, oh, you're not from here, are you? And as soon as I said that, his body began to take on sort of a bluish glow like a, almost like a TV type of a glow or like a hologram. He started to sort of glitch. And uh, so then his, his body, which had seemed so, you know, solid and physical um, disappeared. And what was, what remained was something absolutely indescribable. It was an entity. It was made of several um, bluish orbs of light it had some things that were sort of straight, but not exactly. And I don't have words for it. And I'm really good with words. Mm -hmm. But this is a dream. It's a dream. Well, that, I'm going to say it's a dream. <laughs> more than a dream. It was more than a dream. But I didn't, I didn't, I, I saw, I woke up with my heart. Oh, and that was it. That was the end of the dream. I woke up with my heart pounding. I don't normally wake up with my heart pounding. And besides, there was nothing scary about that dream. Why would my heart be pounding?
I, I wake up, I, I, uh, the next day I call a good friend of mine who is very psychic and she's had uh, encounters. And I said, you know, maybe what do you think that was in that package? Because I'm, I'm so disappointed. I, in my dream, I didn't get a chance to open up because it was wrapped in brown paper. I didn't get a chance to see it. What do you think it was? All I know is it was heavy like lead. And she said, well, what about maybe maybe it was uh, bismuth? And I said, ah, oh, bismuth. Because I know a fair amount about geology and, you know, rocks and crystals and things. And yeah, that sort of makes sense. And then I Googled it. And I saw that you could make, it, it's, a, it's the next, I believe it's the next heaviest metal next to lead. It's very brittle. It's silverish. It's, in fact, I'll even show you. Yeah, I've got a perfect container for it. I'll show it to you. I, I decided to order five pounds of bismuth based on nothing. I don't know why I ordered it, other than the fact it made total sense. And the fact is, I knew I needed exactly five pounds. That's what... It is beautiful. Now, this is the non-crystallized version. If you want to crystallize it, you, you apply heat, and it starts to create little crystals that look incredibly like spinal vertebrae. And I thought that was intriguing. So I order it um, about five days later. And so now we're, what is that, the third week in February? My bismuth shows up. I don't know what to do with it because I bought it on a total whim. I put it in my bedroom and I, you know, I look at it and whatever, but I don't do anything with it. And um, the next day I go downstairs to get my usual cup of coffee and I have no pain. I have no pain. I have not had, I've been in chronic 24 seven pain since August 2nd of 2019, night and day. doesn't matter whether I'm walking, sitting, standing, lying down. doesn't matter. And I said, well, that's really interesting. Maybe, it's, uh, maybe, I had, maybe I'm having a good day for some reason. But I monitored it. And, uh, you know, here we are. What's, today's April 14th, 2020. So I'm two months out, and every day I'm now walking two miles a day. I'm walking up and down huge hills. I'm carrying things. I'm unloading things. I, it's as if my spine simply snapped itself back in place. And if we weren't all in shelter-in-place, um, you know, stay-at-home rules, I would immediately run down and get an X-ray because I think something happened. Yeah. That's an incredible story. <laughs> yeah. It, it certainly is, and I'm so glad that you're feeling better. But I really wonder now, have, have you had any subsequent dreams, any other inkling as to this being that appeared to you in the dream? No. No, I haven't. And... I don't think that that's the kind of thing that you can sort of uh, conjure up. I think that's something that, 
it's the equivalent, you know, I might sound ridiculous, but, you know, John D had the same, John D was in the second floor of his uh, chapel and thought he saw an angel show up at the window who handed him a crystal egg. And whether it's an angel, whether it's an extraterrestrial, whatever it is, um, it's, it's a gift that's being given for a certain type of enlightenment. And uh, I took that, I had no idea on February 19th that I was going to need to have my back fully functional in order to buy, I had to buy roughly 50 bags of groceries and carry big bottles of bleach so that I, because being this old, I knew that I was, I had to be, um, I really have to stay at home. I don't want to risk anything. You're, you're in New Jersey, aren't you? I'm in the hot spot of the, uh, the planet right now, yeah. Yeah. So, so you went into lockdown shortly thereafter. Absolutely. It was, uh, I'm trying to think of the, you know, I was just trying to review some of the dates. I believe it was mid-March when we all went into lockdown. So a month later. So that gave me a month to really think about this and to be able to carry things. And yes, the man in my dream was 100%, he was 100% correct. I was going to need that. Because on February 19th, I just made a note on this. Let's see, President Trump was saying, uh, it's all gonna, it's gonna work out fine. I think when we get some warmer weather, that's gonna have a great effect. There's no big deal. The CDC hadn't really come down with any, uh, any particular prognostication or anything on the virus at that point. We didn't know. We didn't know that this, it was primarily, it was a Chinese virus. And that we only discovered, you know, somewhere in the beginning of January. So you really needed to get your health back. I did. And it was, as far as I'm concerned, it was a godsend and it was a miracle. And I am eternally grateful to who or whatever that was, because as much as I do believe that you can heal yourself, I do believe that. Um, and you can alter your immunity. You can do all kinds of things with, with taking care of your physical body. But when you're talking about, uh, a, as, as the neurosurgeon told me, a, he said, there's nothing else to be done here. You have to have surgery. It is a strictly structural issue. And when it's structural, when it's bones, um, and it's very difficult to imagine how you heal those things or how you put an entire spine back into alignment. I don't know how you do that. But you've apparently done it. I, I, yes. I, I don't understand why. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. But I think uh, in most of these circumstances, at least m my circumstances, when I have had uh, particular encounters that they have always been in some form or another a benefit. They've, they've given me a form of enlightenment about something important and they've advanced uh, my direction in, in my life. Um, I haven't had any negative experiences. 
Well, it's really quite remarkable, uh, Nancy, and I can't help but uh, wonder if the fact that you're the person who wrote the book, How to Talk to an Alien, you, you're <laughs> one of the, the, the pioneers in the field of exolinguistics, and it seems as if your encounter, as you yourself point out, is in some ways similar to, to the famous episode in the Renaissance of Dr. John Dee. Yeah. Yeah, I and uh, about which you wrote in your book. Oh yes, I did actually. Forgot about that. Yes, I did. Um, I, I I I'm sort of speechless on it. I, I don't know. You know, it's a kind of saying. Yeah, I I feel like those you know people who who like they live through a tornado or something. And they say, oh my goodness, I. I, this is the kind of thing that always happens to somebody else. It never happens to me or somebody or you win the lottery or something. I don't know. Uh, it, it, you just don't imagine that you're going to be an actual recipient of something like that. Well, and, and also my sense is that this is not the kind of thing that is amenable to any kind of a mechanistic, rational analysis. It's coming from another level completely. Yes. And I think it's kind of interesting, you know, if, if you figure, you know, I spoke with a, another friend of mine who also happens to be a, a former nuclear submarine commander. And I happened to mention the conditions that were inflicted on me when I was there. And she was so horrified she did not even really want to have uh, she she didn't really want to have any further discussion, but she said, "I will tell you that um, the Russians are the best at black magic in the world by far. And um, it truly, when I told her some of the treatments, uh, she seemed to feel that I had been subjected to that. I have spent the last, uh, well, what is this, almost, I don't know, seven, eight months uh, undoing that in the way that I undo things. And given the fact that I have been able to bend metal before, and I think I showed you that once, um, you know, I've bent not just the utensils, but uh, steel rods Um you know, like no, I, I don't recall that you showing me a big steel rod. I'd love to see that. But in any case, sure, yeah. sure. I, yeah, I gotta, yeah. I got to get up then. Uh, take uh, okay. I'll, uh, don't worry. I'll edit the video. Okay. So. Oh, this is all metal that you have. Yeah. Wow. Hang on. Well, I mean, so you can do, you could do really. Cool that, oh, that's very impressive. You could do stuff like that. And and these are not, I mean, if you could feel them, I mean, you could see they're, they're pretty thick. They're, and I have lots of these. So I'm, utensils I'm totally fine with, but this was really a very cool thing for me. This is a steel rod. And. Um, if you once it's bent, you can sort of rebend it. But if you tried to bend any section of this, I mean, it was determined by uh, Marty Rosenblatt, who you probably know, 
Of course. Yeah. He said he had tossed these out at a PK party. He said, well, you know, I decided to pick up some steel rods at, uh, you know, Home Depot or something. And I've determined they're completely impossible to bend with your hands. And he put these in with uh, two of them with a bunch of uh, utensils. And I picked what this. And I figured, well, I know it's impossible. And uh, he, he was really impressed with this. So, my, but my point is, if you, if you know that you can play with absolute, things that we consider absolute realities and structural things, then you have to appreciate, understand, or at least acknowledge the possibility that these things can be structurally rearranged by very uh, unorthodox methods. And I do think that that's what happened. That's probably uh, a very uh, generic way to put it. Uh, <laughs> but that's probably as good as we can get right now. You could call it magic or psychokinesis or a, a, a gift from an angel or an extraterrestrial. Uh, it'll never boil itself down to, to something, I think, that makes sense in terms of Western materialistic mechanistic science. Uh, well, they're going to have to get used to it because uh, that's the next step in evolution. And that's w what we do absolutely have to understand. And if we want to progress and if we want to be able to understand the influences that are being put on us, we have to acknowledge the existence of these kinds of influences. It, this is not it, it's not wishful thinking, this stuff. This is real stuff. Well, Nancy, thank you so much for sharing your story with me and with our viewers. And I want to say before we close that the a beautiful painting that uh, is over your shoulder, uh, you explained to me, uh, was made by uh, Ingo Swan, about whom we've done a, an earlier interview. In fact, I'm going to link to our earlier interview about Ingo Swan, uh, since uh, our viewers have been looking at that painting throughout this entire interview. Yeah, and you wonder, you've heard about, uh, you've heard about blue aliens. And blue people. And the one... The one in your dream was kind of uh, bluish uh, at some point, after you identified him as not being one of us. Yeah, well, whatever it was that was left that I cannot describe was uh, emanating uh, all kinds of uh, blue light. Absolutely, yeah. Well, it's a real pleasure to connect with you once again, Nancy. And Thank you so much. And Thank you. Good to reconnect with you. Likewise, likewise. And I'm uh, really uh, very inspired by your story. It's a wonderful story to share with people. It's a crazy story, you know, but people need a little crazy every once in a while. Mm -hmm.